Hello, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Very happy to have you here. Thanks to everyone who sent me such lovely notes after last week's AMA. I was a little nervous putting it out, but you were all so nice. Uh, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was realizing that about halfway through, I talk about how great I am at my job and then towards the end, uh, we find out that I don't have a job anymore. (laughs) Uh, It's okay. The situation is being resolved. But yeah, thank you so much for all the feedback. Love hearing from you as always. This week's conversation is with West Australian poet Lucy Dugan, who I already knew once we started emailing each other that we were just going to get along fantastically, and we did. Lucy is a delight. She has a new collection out called Monster Field, out with Giramondo. Can someone just email me and just tell me whether it is Giramondo, Giramondo, some other version of that? I just don't want to keep saying it wrong. I switch between them. I feel like an idiot. Can somebody please help me with that? But yes, beautiful new book, Monster Field, out from Giramondo. Um, following on from her 2015 collection, I believe, The Guardians. And the thing that Lucy and I bonded over as we were getting ready to chat was she also loves movies and she loves one of my absolute favorite directors. Right next to Kelly Reichardt, or look, probably equal first in my mind, there is a British director called Andrea Arnold. You might not know her films. If you've seen Jill Soloway's I Love Dick, Andrea directed quite a few episodes of that, which I only realized re-watching it the other week. But yeah, Andrea Arnold, absolute genius director of a couple of short films, Wasp and Milk, and then followed up with full-length features, Fish Tank and American Honey, which I just keep recommending this film to people. No one's ever heard of it. Even the, the, the biggest film nerds I can find have not watched this film, but I just, I don't know why. It is so good. So we do start out with a little bit of film chat at the start. If that's unbearable to you, we do get into other things. And one of the other things that I realized when I read Monster Field was that Lucy has this connection to this poet who keeps coming up on the show recently, Faye Wiki. Lucy dedicates a poem to her and then I I gave Lucy a call and I said, so did you know Faye? <laughs> and she said, yes, I had a long friendship with her. I edited her collected poems. I knew her very, very well. So this episode, this conversation starts to become kind of a, a bit of an oral history of what it was like to work alongside Faye and to know her. And I just love this because it means that we get to we get to know a little bit more about who this person actually was, who keeps kind of like almost like haunting the show, um, or haunting me at least. The way that Lucy put it after we finished kind of officially chatting was she feels like she's become kind of a living link to Faye, and I just think that's beautiful. So I do hope that you enjoy this conversation. I certainly did, and I very much am thinking about and turning over in my mind how I might get over to West Australia and 
and just connect with more of the poets over there because you guys are crushing it and I just want to get to understand more of these connections between poets. Preparing for this interview, I found out that you are a fellow Andrea Arnold fan, British Absolutely. film director. Completely. Yeah. And, and that was such a nice, nice thing to discover. And then I don't know, I, I went and did my homework. I went and watched um, American Honey. So. Oh my God. See, this is the problem. We could just derail this whole thing and talk about <laughs> yeah, American Honey. <laughs> well, we could. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot to say. Um, yeah. Look, I, I suppose, yeah. Fish tank for me was, you know, how you just have a, a view or a watch and something, you know, it's like almost like it's almost being haunted or something. And, yeah, um, that's such a great word to use. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was around the time that, I mean, I do, I'm, I do write, I don't necessarily write slowly. I can write in a real storm, but, but the books I've made take quite a long time to come together. So I sort of do feel like there's these kind of residing kind of presences that kind of hover around them. And, and, and yeah, after Fish Tank, she was certainly one of those. Yeah, watching that, I was just thinking about how her films are, I don't want to say poetic because I think that word gets massively misused when it's applied yeah. to other things. Sure. But they share the qualities that some good poems have in that they're saying yeah. a lot of things at once, they bear repeated engagement, they resist simple interpretation. Completely. I think what it is the most, though, is that in her films I always get the sense that her characters that are really struggling and often really on Struggle Street tune in to some some other life some other life that's underneath it all yeah and that 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 and that that is you know a space of possibility of consolation of kind of escape from everything that late capital demands of a human being it seems to me that she is kind of interested in that that space and it's not they're not necessarily part, you know, they, they can have pastoral qualities. I mean, but they can also be quite sort of grotty spaces as well. But they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of, I, that to me was the sort of atmosphere or, or, or feeling, I think, that I was trying to go for in The Guardians a lot. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you do you feel that about them? I'd, I'd never thought of it that way, but that is absolutely it, right? Like Mia in Fish Tank is her only moment of positive action is trying to free the horse absolutely from the the men in the in the trailer park in the caravan park yeah completely um, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I also, I, I, yeah sorry go on no that's okay I'm just so excited to talk about it um, <laughs> <laughs> yes gorgeous yeah. uh yeah and I also realized that there are there is this time and character link from wasp which is a short Yes. To fish yeah. tank and then to American honey. Yes, absolutely. I've that never sort of seen thing of the, 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 the trapped insect and the and the kind of desire to somehow attend to that creature on that level. You know, this yeah, definitely absolutely. As as soon as I saw American Honey, which is only last night, 
I, I suddenly, yeah, thought straight back to Fish Tank and, and to Wasp and saw this, yeah, complete sort of, yeah, lineage of those things, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's any surprise that she was completely attracted to Wuthering Heights and, and you know, makes a fantastic film adaptation of that novel. I have to say, though, I watched it. Possibly my expectations were too high. It, mm. it is bloody brilliant, mm. but it just, it doesn't have all, she's not able to use all her tools. No. Some of which are things like amazing connection with popular music. Like you said, non-professional actors. True. That's quite true. That's yeah. quite true. It, yeah, that's right. That's true. They're, they're her things, aren't they? Yeah. And, and, and her yeah. movies are, they are soundtracks, aren't they? And yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the other thing I really admire about her is her interest in particularly dance, um, mm. but also movement as a means of sort of, you know, the, the sort of the ways in which her characters might sort of, you know, I don't know, in a way, attain a communitas through through nonverbal gestures and things. I think that's really, I mean, and of course that can be really, um, you know, that can be really dark and extreme. Um, in like the pissing on the carpet in um yeah, that moment is fucking yeah. incredible. So, yeah, it is so incredible. Um she does she sort of does make that something like that sublime. I don't you know she, yeah. Yeah. but that yeah that, that sort of nonverbalness I guess I've 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 found or nonverbal communication I've sort of found quite fascinating. Yeah and Mia actually in Fish Tank another positive thing she does is dance. Dance, so, yeah, absolutely. And she the That's only right. moment she connects with her mother is, is when they dance together. Is when they dance. Yeah. Yes. So we are these people who <laughs> use just words. <laughs> That's right. We are these people that use just words. That's but right. I I have this theory and I have a, a teacher who watches a lot of films and I was talking to him about it and we were kind of agreeing that somehow watching the number of films that we do is a useful contribution to the poetry and there are a couple of um poems in monster field that respond directly to films but mm. do you think i'm right in that or am i just telling myself that because i like watching movies absolutely, no I, I completely i think film is sort of another kind of education absolutely absolutely i can remember having a conversation with a younger friend about how um I, I don't know what it's called on the East Coast, you know, but when you bunk off school, it's called wagging. Wagging. Yeah, wagging. We mm -hmm. wag school, so it's the same, <laughs> right? Great. Um, and she just told me about all the times that she wagged school to to go to movies and yeah. how much that helped her get better marks, <laughs> you know, like in English or whatever or lit. And I was like, totally, that's not wagging. That's like some kind of hedge school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a necessity, you know, because we did it too, yeah. um, you know, and also the, you know, the naughty pleasure of, you know, of getting of getting into a, you know, maybe an M-rated or R-rated film when you were, you know, back in the day that was a big thing. It's not, oh, it was it's a not huge now, it's deal. It's not now because, I mean, content is so available, it's so everywhere, we're just in a sea of it. Um, but that, but the, back then there was a real sense of trespass. Definitely. Um, yeah, the last um, day of year 10, my best friend and I wagged to go and see the cinematic masterpiece Spawn. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was definitely rated more than we were allowed to see. Yes, and we yes. were not meant to be there. <laughs> Very good.
Yeah. Mm. So even that, I think, you know, as a human experience, you know, is is interesting. Mm. You know, definitely, there's definitely an amazing education to be had in film and I think in sort of re-watching and in what we've just said about, you know, how, how maybe you travel through time with a film and you revisit it or you then, are, you know, what you just said about, you know, from Wasp to Fish Tank to American Honey. I don't know. I'm so much more comfortable with, I don't have the same anxiety around film watching that I do around poetry reading. And I wonder if this is something that resonates with you. I feel like I have total permission with films to just go watch whatever I want to watch, like yeah. what I like, hate yeah. what I hate, have yes. my opinions. Yes. But with yes. poetry, yes. and and maybe this because I am a poet and, or because I'm connected to other poets, I feel like there's a sense of like I have to have read certain things. Mm. And Yeah. Oh, that's true, I think. It's not okay to just, like, I don't trust my gut instinct around my taste as automatically, which no, is me so weird. Really? Yes. Okay. No no, 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 me neither, I don't think. Why do you no, think and the, and the fear that you'll be found out as some kind of. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like Les Murray or something. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Um that's, That's right. A bad if you're not, if you're not, if you're yeah. not somehow in the know or something, I suppose it's got to do with, I mean, love it or hate it. It is it's a privileged practice on 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 many levels, isn't it? And um, maybe also what what we're loving about Arnold is this sense of the 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 real and and that you know that way of you know finding you know finding non actors things like that. It's it's not that there aren't. Um, what would you call them? Almost like there are outsider artist poets who can be absolutely fantastic. You oh know? yeah. So yeah. yeah, but I do know what you mean. That it's mm, yeah, there's still something very bougie and mm, there's a, there's a sort of connoisseurship, isn't there, of of sort of poetry reading and I think that's the mm. word I think mm. that's it and you know that that does exist in certain like film bro circles where it's like of course. oh if you haven't yes. seen you haven't seen the cut of blah 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 <laughs> yeah totally of course <laughs> yeah yeah I met yeah. those guys I mean they're fine <laughs> I met those guys too <laughs> and may not have joined their film clubs <laughs> I ran a little film night here for a while and I I had to stop running it anyway but um one of the the less fun things about it was once it reached a certain velocity or like um, breadth of audience, I started to get like really mean comments on my, the little Instagram that I made, being like, "Oh, what a shitty choice of film!" It's just no, like, "Oh my it, god!" Yeah, no, no, I'm no, sorry if you like, don't like Life of yeah, Brian. Like, yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that gorgeous thing where the little kid puts the spoons over his eyes and goes, you know? <laughs> F the haters or whatever. That's right. <laughs> do, do that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I wonder is it because um, does that actually come from a space of loving something so deeply? And then, yeah, I don't, you know, that it's that thing of like, and this is something we can get, I suppose we can, this is something about poetry that sometimes bothers me. For instance, I'm reading I'm reading a Barbara Pym novel at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm on this Pim, Barbara Pym push. So, and and she it's very again like Arnold it's it's a world of women, and um, there's a there's a it's sort of this one is set in London but it's very much sort of set around parish politics and everything, and there's a beautiful woman in it who 
physically beautiful woman in it who cannot bear that a plainer woman that she hangs around with reads poetry because she just thinks that will, she doesn't even want to hear what poems she likes because she sort of is failing to give this woman and this character an interior life. And, of course, this is highly ironised. Um, I wonder if some of those things come from that place, you know, that, that you can't possibly love this as much as I love it. Or Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's the sentiment, right? It's like you, yeah. you, you don't get it. Like you think yes. you get it, but you don't get it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's a very fraught thing, I think. And, and I think that can be there in the poetry world too, a sort of a idea of sort of heightened sen sensibility or, mm. um, yeah, which I don't know really how to deal with or get around or talk, talk about, but I think it's there. I have no idea. I mean, because, yeah. you know, I fall, fall into that trap all the time. So yes, I, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. And then that, and that, and that I think connects to what we've been talking about in terms of an idea of connoisseurship or some kind of, you know, rare, rare sensibilities or whatever. Well, let me bring in another presence here who might be able to help us. So I realised reading Monster Field that you had a deep connection with the West Australian poet and critic Faye Zwicky, who died yeah. in 2017. Mm. And she has been kind of coming into the podcast over the last couple of months. It's oh, been how really... fantastic. I'm yeah, so glad it's to so hear cool. that. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that because, um, you know, I think a lot about this, that after someone's death, um, you know, an artist or someone who makes something's death, um, that takes time. You know that that can that kind that kind of renegotiation or rediscovery or you know can 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 take time. So I'm delighted to hear that. Yeah, it's uh, thanks to the critic James Jang actually who put me oh, onto the liar in the pawn shop. Fantastic! Yeah, such a great you know collection of essays. Yeah, probably out of print. You know, but then that's another you know that's another thing. Um, working with Faye, well, knowing Faye and spending time with Faye made me really aware of what it well what it meant for her and what it might mean for any of us you know to push on to, to keep engaged to keep making stuff you know well in late into life and how quickly a sense of kind of like cultural alienation can descend you know that's a that's a real it's a real you know well, it was a real sort of almost Gutenberg elegy sort of vibe working with her she felt I think temperamentally she always felt like an outsider um and then that's just that's just part of you know it's, it's part of who she was and don't forget she was first a concert pianist so you know she had this whole other very fraught very um hard one, you know, um, art, arts practice but before she started writing. Yeah. The, the alienation was something I was, I was going to ask you about. Mm. I think, I, th I think, I think it was that she, you know, she really does belong to, you know, this, this is no surprise, a, a sort of dif different cultural back formation. Um, and she really sort of comes out of that leave a site 
you know, critic as moralist. And Ivor Index got a, you know, a couple of, well, I think one published essay, but then a talk a, a sort of about her as a moralist. And she she would have sort of seen, and this, this is, I mean, she was incredibly sort of intellectually sophisticated. So this is not to kind of, you know, pigeonhole her and say, well, she was only this kind of critic or whatever. But she would have seen the demise of literary studies or what we think of as English lit or whatever within her own department, you know, in her lifetime that was happening. You know, cultural studies was was coming, you know, theory was coming. And so she would have, I can't remember exactly when she retires, but she was still there in the mid-'80s and probably on a, a bit from that, just sort of maybe she would have retired in the late 80s, early 90s. So it's that. I think it's 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 the rise of being sort of present as a writer or intellectual in a completely different way that 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 impacted on her. And you know, and I think there's that I, you know, I've I've certainly when we did published some of her journal in different places. Iva had done that first. Um, and then later on, her and I together decided, well, there is a back, there is a hilarious and amazing backstory to, to, to this. So I've made the argument that her intellectual and artistic life goes on in this subterranean way because she's started to keep this amazing journal, you know, from the 1970s continuously until just before she got too unwell to keep it, which is sort of in a way like a sort of underground university. You know, when you went to visit her, she would say, you know, dispense with formalities and just go, right, I'm going to read you, you know, the next bit I've written. And she was very excited about everything. And it is this (laughs) swirl of her life, including going to movies, what she's reading, what she heard on the radio, Friendship, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then she got, she had to have quite serious surgery some years ago. And when she was recovering, Tim Burstall's diary came out and they, you know, obviously, you know, had, had been romantically collected, connected very earlier on when she was a young woman in Melbourne. And there's this, like, really kind of quite brutal brief moment in the diary, in his diary, where he says, yep, saw, heard, saw Faye perform as a concert pianist. She was okay. She was good, but she wasn't great. Well, she was livid about this. Mm. (laughs) And, 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 And what, at that point, she really wanted, what she wanted and she wanted me to help her to do was to publish her journal. because So that she could... Reinstate so she, her well, story exactly, yeah. and 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 kind of go. I like excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually, did have what it what is, and it's a really. I also saw her at the Perth Writers Festival some years ago. I was already, you know, we were already talking about the journal and everything. Someone asked a young woman in the audience asked her about Burstall and there was a really long pause. She was on a panel with um, Jermaine Greer and there was a really long pause and she said, he took my heart and gave it back to me in working order. So there was still a sense that um, that 
had been very important, that relationship had been very important to her. So I think, you know, through time and even as an older woman, so I think that's why it was so crushing. So, yeah, the journal was the, the thing. And then we eventually, when it looked like she really didn't have much, a long time to go, I had been in conversation with Terry Ann White, who was then publisher at UWA Publishing, and she said, look, I, and this was very for, all very fraught, I can't for lots of reasons, I don't think, I think what we need to do is publish the poems first, like publish, she was really keen on the idea of a collected. Right. Um, and that was not so easy to negotiate, but we did do it and it was something that was very important for Faye in literally the last days of her life, you know. I mean, people have said, oh, they must be apocryphal stories, but they're not. You know, she, I was overseas and my husband, my partner, Tim Dolan, who was my co-editor of the poems and is, you know, the most amazing um, textual editor with this you know, amazing track record as a, as a textual editor, came on board and helped a lot. Um, he, he took her the book in hospital, you know, and, and then, you know, I... I was overseas, it was all very tricky. And he said, um, I said, how was she? And he said, well, high as a kite, what do you think? You know, oh. <laughs> pain meds and they said, I mean, she was very, very happy. Right. But they, he said, basically, you know, we had, we sang south of the border. So she wanted, <laughs> she wanted him to sing with her, which was like, which is very fay um, anyway. I mean, and um, yeah, so that. That, that was really, and what, what I would like to, in a way, plug is that you can buy um, the collected poems of Faze Wiki for $5. Oh, for real? Why? Why is it so cheap? Because, because UWA Publishing remained at it. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, she, Terry ann left, right. their, their priorities changed, their list changed, mm. changed. So maybe your listeners might be quite interested <laughs> Well, I remember seeing that book when it came out. I mean, this is, we're only talking like yes. 2017. Well, 2017, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of it was really, you know, they, yes, we all, I mean, although all the legwork had been done and it was very carefully done and done in consultation with her and with her previous publishers, um, it was, it, you know, we did have that sensation, you know, that, that time was running out and we needed to get this, done yeah mm. yeah and the other thing I would say about Faye that I think is of real interest is that we think of American influence in Australian poetry sort of in a way belonging is too strong a word but but really um being focused around that gen 68 you know like like Tranter or Robert Adamson, or you know, um, and I know, I know, there's, you know, there's also a, a lot of really amazing um, women, uh, you know, like um, Pam Brown and Kate Lilly, who've been, you know, very influenced by America. But but Faye is kind of about ten years older than Jen, sixty eight. So she, and and you know, and she's living in America for a time. She's, Robert Creeley invited her to be part of a sort of creative writing program, and then. When Kaddish is first published, it's published in um, Columbia's Journal of Creative Work and Antaeus. 
and she performed live at, at Chumley's, you know, so she had all this sort of incredible uh, in, um, American connections. And I, I mean, I think that's, she felt very at home in America because of her Jewishness, I think. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. and, and, and for people who were interested, um, her, so she deposited her like archive with the National Library. So her lectures, her UWA lectures, uh, uh, and she was a wonderful lecturer, are archived there. Her journal is also archived there, but it is embargoed. Are the lectures so, recordings or are they written? I, I think so from memory that they were written. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they did record everything then, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I can remember I had flashes and you, had, you went into the recording room and listened to it. <laughs> to it and yeah. unfortunately she did, she did not teach me, um, but I, yeah, so it was sort of when I'd been over east for about eight years and moved back and then our friendship started then. And I, I do feel like... I don't know what with how you feel like about this, but I feel like older, well, older people in general, but older arts practitioners, they kind of need younger um, allies and sort of people to, you know, people to negotiate. The, the world became very hard for her. You know, she had a fax machine and a typewriter. So <laughs> people, yeah. Yeah. And, and her, I mean, her children are wonderful and wonderful children to her and, but, one lives over east and one lives overseas. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it was just also our our friendship was important to her for other reasons, mm-hmm. including trying to find her lipstick. <laughs> so... well, which brings us to yeah, this is a, a good moment to bring in the poem. Yes. Yeah, from Monsterfield, this poem, Your Shade. Yeah, I relate to this poem on a number of levels. I'm excited to hear you read it. Yeah, yeah, I'd be delighted to. So it's a it's a poem called Your Shade and it's written, you know, for, for Faye's memory. They don't make the lipstick you wear anymore. The small grief of this niggles you, as if some part of your armoury of what it is that helped you face the day is gone forever. You enlist me in the hunt. In the past, I've done your footnotes, faxed handwritten pages, but this, this archive of lost, of lost shades is a tipping point into something that lies stubbornly beneath everything. Discontinuities begin to haunt me, the trails of product codes guttering out to dead stock. I get close but then it all packages itself into some terrible, grasping, faux proximity. A smear, a ghost print on a tissue hidden in the cuff of your cardigan. And I never ask you the million-dollar question, how does it feel to outlive a colour that you loved? While the decision was being made, as the phase-out happened so slowly that you didn't notice, you kept up your inquiries at the makeup counter Your bare lips kept moving, but the sounds they made and the questions they asked began to get lost in the queue. Thank you. Yeah, I I just circled that stanza. How does it feel to outlive a colour that you loved? I mean, you were talking about older artists perhaps needing connection with younger artists. and Mm, Completely. (laughs) But there are these questions that you just can't put to people. 
not really. That's right. That, <laughs> no, you that, can't just say that's... like, so so everyone around you is sort of gone and, and like. Yeah, like, I'm wearing how, a different how... coloured lipstick to the one yeah. you want to wear. There are, you know, there's some really, I can't, you know, I can't remember them off, totally off the top of my head, but there's some just so some sort of devastating um, quotes from the journal. Um, oh, know, yeah, like, I've like, been like, copying them out. Like, the, sure. you know, the world, I, the world I know is disappearing or, you know, I feel like a cemetery bursting with ghosts, of it, you know, all these sorts of yeah. ideas yeah. of, um, you know, and she did absolutely relate to and adore that movie, The Barbarian Invasions. I, I have to watch that. I totally had never heard of it, film, but i got to watch it. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I, with this, this sort of, this sort of, uh, yeah, burnt out, I think he might be a historian, academic, you know, sort of retired, sort of shamed in a way, academic. Um, again, yeah, this sensation that he's some sort of dinosaur and that he's like, but, that, but this, is, this is a hilarious sort of inconsistency and I suppose it's, she still presented as someone, you know, massively vibrant and open and totally connected to, you know, to, to, to creative sources and, and, and to all sorts of things happening in the world. So that there was a sort of interesting sort of disjunction, I think, between, um, between how, well, obviously how she felt and, and, and what she projected or who she essentially was. Like she, to me, was sort of, and this is not to be ageist or make any, but she was sort of, you know, she was sort of ageless. Uh, she wore her hair very long and still and 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 just you know with a headband which sort of had a, had a sort of girlish quality and she was just amazing with my kids you know she sort of forged and she had she was very good with with not only you know not only middle-aged people like me but 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 with with really with young people yeah mm. she really she had that real teacher's capacity to kind of get down and go, well, what, what, what drive? You know, what are you really? You know, what are you interested in? You know, like what, what drives yeah. you? She, she, it, that mattered to her. That you know, and yet she was writing in the journals lines like, "I devoted most of my life to literature, and have reached a point that we've lost whatever it was we yes. set out to achieve." Yeah, like, oh I, my god. Yes, I sometimes oh wonder god. is that is that I sometimes wonder is that just um. Look, I think, do you know what I think is that if she taught long enough to experience the hipster revolution, she might have been, she might have been sort of overjoyed by that. But in the, uh, there's, there's no underestimating, I guess, and, I, and this is just a hunch I've got, you know, how, how vile departmental politics may have been. I mean, she, you know, she was really out of the box and, and, you know, had the you know had these amazing sort of credentials, and I don't think she again she was an enthusiast, and I don't and and she was a born teacher, so I don't think she would have set out to make anyone feel lesser. But she could have been pretty intimidating. I would have thought. Look, so, this comes with the territory, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe there was some of that in it. You know, maybe yeah. she just felt. Um, see, I but when see I studied at UWA in, I turned up in the mid eighties and it was a complete like femme powerhouse, that department there were, and, and, and it was a time in the academy of, you know, the complete sort of rediscovery of neglected women, 
writers, artists, all of that's happening. It's the kind of it's the kind of Carter-esque moment. It's the you know or early Margaret Atwood or whatever. So I can't imagine. Yeah, to me, it felt like a sort of a, a real sort of them powerhouse that department, and I certainly got taught by a lot of those kind of people. Well, another line I pulled out of the journal was. Sometimes I think if my anger ever truly erupted, it would drown the world. Yes. And I have yes. to assume that is in part responding to Muriel Rockheiser's what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life, the world would split open. Yes, yes, yes. There are those. Yeah, that yeah. definitely that's an echo, isn't it? I think and I wanted, so. I wanted yeah. to, ask, to ask you, because many of the poems in the book Monster Field and Faye talked about this when she launched the guardians actually this idea of the what she called the low-key heroism of female survival mm. i just thought it was such yeah, a like way that. to put it yeah absolutely um, what are the things that sustain you as a poet who also happens to be living inside a female body oh that is such an interesting question isn't it i think well i think definitely um my childhood and and my family culture my mother was just one of those people that was incredibly good at setting up an environment, you know, in, in, in which one could creatively thrive. And I think that's a real kind of like a, just like almost like a well or a source that, I, you know, I, I feel it as an energy in my life that I can, that I can sort of dip into, that it does incredibly sustaining um, and there were, you know, just a lot of books, a big wild garden. There was a lot of physical freedom in my childhood. I think all of those things c completely sustain me. My own children, my my the sense that I didn't start, although I always, I always wrote in a hazy kind of intuitive way from the time I was a small child, all my life. But I didn't start writing very seriously or with any kind of notion that I wanted to pursue publication until I got my own office in a part-time job in the city. And so I would have been in my early 20s and had had my first child. There was just something about all of that that it's, it seems odd, but that, that that you would then have to. I think motherhood created a, a, the times that you did have. It, it, it sort of created a pressure or an urgency. So mm. I sort I've of heard, got, I've heard other other writers who are mothers say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm -hmm. I think just you are with these new people that are part of, you know, your children that are part of your lives and it's how they see the world and negotiate it from the time they're tiny, you know, in an ongoing way that has been very sustaining for me. So my oldest child is not at all, well, he reads, um, and, you know, he's very, yeah, I mean, he, he's just not, he's not sort of academic, you know, in a, in a conventional way or kind of, you know, readily in a conventional way. But he, we are, I just remember a while back, we were talking about dreams and we were actually walking through, you know, we were walking through these really heavy doors and each, we were each holding one together. And he, 
he said to me, but, you know, dreams are real. That, that's, that's a real world. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is a real place. <laughs> you know, where real things can come from and yeah, stuff like wow. that. So there's things that my kids say to me, um, I, I suppose, that, yeah, that, that I just sort of, that, that, that dwell in me, that, yeah, their ways of being, I guess, sustain me. And, of course, yeah. there's just that sea of your own reading. You also mentioned over email that your connections with other poets, you mentioned um, Julia Darling in the UK, Kerry yes. Hardy in Ireland, Elizabeth yes. Smither, Smither in New Zealand. Yes, yes. Um, Jean been... Kent, Gail Jones. Yeah, yeah. Joanne Burns was a was a was a my mentor when I did the Five Islands. You know, when the Five Islands program first run, run, Ron Pretty ran that, and you went to. Um, Wollongong East Campus and you sort of got put in a group with a mentor and I was just lucked out so much to have Joanne and and she was incredibly just I think yeah a lot of I have just had the I think it's absolute luck just to have some incredibly generous mentors yeah Not, not all of them women but most most of them it is generosity, though, isn't it? It's like it's it, complete generosity. It's uh, it's pay it forward, you know. It, it is it is most absolutely that, and I yeah. can still I I did when I was sort of really struggling to get white clay together, which was my first you know full length manuscript after the chapbook with Five Islands. Um, I got. Um, I gained a ASA mentorship with Jean Kent and I was living in Newcastle um, and she was living on Lake Macquarie and there was just something about that lovely drive down to the lake or Kiliburn Bay she was living in which is part of that area and it became it was clear to me that she was telling me sort of more than anything about how to live, you know, not not just not just. I know that sounds kind of a bit grasshopper, like you know, you're <laughs> some sort of spiritual. No, but, I mean, but how to live is like how to live a life that will allow yes, for poems. That's right. That yeah. that's right. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, I had thought, oh, it's going to be like you know, homework. Which, well, there's going to be this pile of books. There's going to be, you know. But she told me a lot, you know, about her childhood, about people that had mattered to her and encouraged her about her garden and things like that and it was very gentle and then of course you know I would send her drafts of things and she would you know she would give me really sort of good editorial advice and um, I can always remember her saying to me and it has stuck with me that she was like you know being a poet's like being a a long-necked tortoise that most of the time you stay in your shell but just sometimes you have to stick your neck out I've always remembered that. I've always That's remembered so that. Good. There are some moments when I, you know, something comes up and I go, "Yep, yeah, no, nah, stick your neck out," you know, or don't out. if you don't, or don't if you don't feel like it, yeah. <laughs> or if you're able to. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to ask because I had a an exchange with a listener a couple of weeks ago, um, about this thing of mentorship. They were kind of saying, "Look, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty isolated person." And these structures, things like the ASA mentorship, for example, I don't quite know which country this person was in, but um, it didn't sound like they had 
formal structures around them that were really available. Yes. And they were sort of saying like, how do I find these people? Because people want like, people want money from me. People want like certain things that I can't give Mm. them. And I just sort of wrote back and said, look, all I can tell you is that that person's out there and you will find them and just don't give up and please keep going. But like, I just feel like that was such an unsatisfactory answer. No, 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 no. I think it is really hard. And I know, I think there can be sort of, um, you know, obstructions to that. And for me, it's always just been apart from, apart from Joanne with at five, at the five islands thing and Jean through ASA, that there there has been a kind of just a a mysteriousness around how these people turn up in your life. You know, it's just sort of been happenstance. Um, I don't think it's something you can really control. I don't. No, I don't. I, I don't think it is either. And yeah. how, what is it that causes your work to speak to them or their work to speak to you? Um, I, I yeah. I'm, I'm, I, th- I think I think I think that I think they can be quite mysterious. Things. And and certainly, I as as I've aged in the sector, I've worked as a mentor in a couple of different schemes, and sometimes you really feel you're completely in the flow, or you can get in a flow with the person that you're with, and that you can really just gently sort of sort of help them. And other times, you just feel, particularly, I think when you work with someone that maybe has. Some people come in, I think, to their lives as poets. They come, a bit like Faye, they sort of come out of another professional arts practice. Um, And I think with those people sometimes they know what to do. Mm. (laughs) It's just a sort of, it's. and I always say to those people, look, I I don't really know that much what I can, what I can do for you is be ambitious for you on your behalf, which I think can be a really good thing for, I mean, I think, by temperament, a lot of people that want to make things can be like the person you just described, very interior mm. sorts of people. And it can be and that can be the aspect of it that's almost hardest of all. Yeah, it's kind of like not an agent, but like a champion. Like that's ho- completely. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a decorator. <laughs> <laughs> that poem would look great over there. It looks look so much better over there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of as a, a wrapping up type of question, you have contributed a lot to Australian poetry, not just through your own work, but I know you also worked as an editor of Heat, Axon, I believe you're currently at Westerly. Yeah. Um, how have you seen the work of being a poet change since you started writing? Wow, crikey. So, so I do, I do think about this quite a lot. Um, and it's going to sort of, I suppose, dovetail back into Faye's world, but 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 moving on from that. When I started writing and publishing, it was it was such a slow, it was such a slow, quiet process. Like you, you know, you, you had to have two envelopes. <laughs> the, one, <laughs> the one with the publisher's name on it, or the editor's name on it, and the one that the, the one that you'd get your rejection. <laughs> I remember doing that. I remember yeah. doing that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and they'd come back to you with your own handwriting and just like, fuck. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no. Or, they, or, or they'd be sick. And you'd oh, go, yeah. oh, they've returned them all. They the whole like... thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that, and, and I, I, I suppose to, 
journals were sort of, uh, I can remember, and I can't remember who said this to me as either a teacher or a mentor, you know, go to go to the state library, park yourself in front of the new journals um, stack and just, you know, every couple of months and just, you know, if you can't afford the subscriptions or whatever, just sit there and read. And, of course, libraries had, state library here back then had really lovely um, subscription um, base and all that, you know. Um, and I guess I guess journals, journals having to have online presence have have really changed. I think they had a structural effect on the scene in that suddenly there needed to be a lot more content and then that content needs need to be found quite quickly. Um, so that's a big change that I've seen. Um, the other one I would say is um, blind reading. I think has has changed the scene in 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 some good ways and maybe not so much. I've always thought that. I I know I think a lot of the time it's connected to um, demands of sort of funding bodies or institutional demands, but you know you don't. Um, you don't go. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go have some brain surgery. So I'll just pick this anonymous. <laughs> I mean, pe people earn people earn their reputations, and I think any any reputable editor can can tell whether that's that person's best work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's I think that's changed things a little. I mean, but but it's good. I think it's good too. I, you know, I think there are positive aspects of that too. Yeah, there's a lot. There's just, there's just. I think I sort of said to you, you know, I still have this desire for, for quiet. And I, and I wonder, is the, I wonder, is the, the, the new heat, a return, you know, the, the reissued heat, kind of a return to, a desire for, a magazine, to sort, to sort of have, more of that sort of quiet, focus in a way mm. yeah it's it's funny actually like because i feel like i sort of started submitting writing and submitting at the at the tail end of that quiet time and then yes yeah and then the, the online stuff kind of came through and then it all felt very like wildly open and yes. like there were there were opportunities for publication kind of everywhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and now, you know, I go into like Brunswick Street Bookstore and I see that those copies of Heat and they sort of scare me because I'm like, oh, all those people are really good. <laughs> like, and it sort of feels like how I used to feel when like there was a journal called Blast. Do you remember? Oh, Blast? I, I, I so remember Blast. I published yeah. in Blast. Yeah. What a gorgeous but, little magazine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was yeah. like, you know, yeah, I felt like it was like a, a top tier kind of thing. And, mm, and so... Yeah. I don't know. Um, back to the exclusivity, like connoisseurship stuff. It's like you, you certainly don't want to give up the openness and the availability. No way. Not, but not by time. any means. Not by any means. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. No. But yeah. the avalanche of, of poems is, um, you know, there's kind of no way to say it beyond like overwhelming. Mm, mm. Yeah. So just got to back to the film thing. You just got to. Watch what, watch what you like. Yeah, completely, absolutely. Read, read. Yeah, this is well. This is one thing I always say to people that I mentor: just read, read the hell what you want to read, and and read widely. And sometimes it's good to kind of push push yourself and read against your taste. And sometimes you 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 need to 
just have uh, uh, intuitive confidence about what what you like and you know and how that, how that's going to support what what you want to do mm. exactly final movie recommendations to sign off with final movie recommendations wow i did just see the the banshees of inisherin oh yeah what did you think i found it re- I, I i loved the way that it just flipped on you know, Irish charm and became completely dark. I found Irish it really horror. Yeah. I, I found it really hard to watch. What about yeah? Did have you? Yeah, it was, it was a very strange viewing experience because, like, I loved every second of it, and I left the cinema. I haven't thought about it for a minute since. Mm. So weird. Mm. Um, yeah, incredible performances. Yes, wonderful script, beautifully yeah. shot, well acted. I have no problems with this film, and yet. I just haven't thought about it. That's <laughs> it's it, that's it made it, that, no impression that, on me. Oh, that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I suppose it, yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a some sort of allegory about. Yeah, it's like a fable. A yeah. fable, yeah. A fable about Irishness in a way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that no, that, that did stick with me. Yeah. Yeah, five stars just haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. You know, that's liberating in itself, isn't it? That's a yeah, good, true. That yeah, it's thing. not so heavy. I'll be thinking about um, Fish Tank forever, though. Yeah, and I'll be thinking about American Honey forever. And and I think I do, in answer to you, I'm, I'm just going to pedal back a tiny, tiny bit sure. to when you said what sustains me. And I think actually what it is as I age is kind and it's going to sound really hokey, but um, just try, trying to live lightly with making stuff, try to actually have some sort of um, sort of joy in the process, or not? Yeah, just just to to play. Yeah, yeah, play to play. Yeah, and that you know goes back to all sorts of things, you know, to to childhood, but also to you know lipstick or yeah, playing. I think mm. I, I I want to do more of that. Mm.